time to hop back on the Choco Choo Choo train. Choo Choo! All aboard! Blasting us through the universe and into the deepest, darkest, and brightest parts of the soul and returning you back home to that place of love, peace, abundance, and balance. The journey continues on with a cacao DJ from down under, Dan Kosh. And I was basically homeless on a beach in Bondi with 200 bucks cash. And I was literally stripped away of everything. But all I had was the sun, the sea, the earth, and my breath. And I just sat there and I just recreated myself from the ground up. I let everything strip away from me, all of our thoughts of what, you know, you would think an identity was. And I then I completely recreated myself in my own version of how I would want myself to be. And that's the thing. Like, if you think about it, who are we? If I ask you, what is your personality? At the end of the day, we are just a collection of ideas that we have gathered, some internally and some externally, that we have forged together to say, hey, this is who I am. This is my identity. This is me. But that's actually not reality. Who you are is actually a spiritual being inside a human body having this experience. You can completely change your personality, your identity in a heartbeat. That's why I had no issues erasing my identity. And so that is the reality of who we are. And then from that place, we can change our personality and we can change our identity daily if we wish. Or we can create a healthy identity, a healthy relationship with who we really are. But that really has to come from a place of within, not from, oh, this person expects me to be this. This person expects me to that. Society wants me to be this. No, live life on your terms. This is your life. This is your experience. You are this spiritual being in this vessel for, you know, 80 to 100 years. So you choose what you want to do. You choose where you want to be and you create your experience. And if you can't make those changes, like if you're in, you know, uh, you know, basically if you have less opportunities, then we are obviously we are very blessed. I am very blessed. So I have more options and opportunities. But if you don't have those options or opportunities, you also have a choice to come to peace with your reality, accept your reality, and then also not, and then change the reality and focus all your attention on changing that reality because that's what I feel like. Some people are really unhappy with their lives, but what is happiness? Happiness is when the external world matches your expectations of how the world should be. And you can, if, it's not, if you're not happy, that's because the external world doesn't match that and you have two choices. You can either change the external world to match how you want it to be or you change your expectation to match how it is. And either way, you'll find happiness. Right, because even on this neurochemical level, we get dopamine when our uh, rewards sort of ex- exceed our expectations of what we're going to get. Oh, this is more, this is better than I thought. This is more resources and my needs are being fulfilled beyond what I expected. Oh, let, let me get more of this. Of course, there's habituation and that kind of wears off. And then we get serotonin when our status or our place in society kind of rises beyond uh whatever we were before and then we get used to that status you know you you make a hundred thousand dollars and then you okay you get used to that you also habituate with your serotonin and your sort of status in life and then you want five hundred thousand dollars or you become a bigger dj and a bigger dj and then become the biggest dj in the world you become a a billionaire dj pimp daddy sweet guy i don't know and (laughs) it's it's never enough because you start comparing yourself to others and you, you fear losing it and then you you wherever we it's like we get thrown into the world in a certain identity, in a certain situation, and we find our neurochemicals, our serotonin, our dopamine, our oxytocin, and all these things from some almost seemingly arbitrary source. It's wherever we found it. We find ways to escape the cortisol, escape the stress, and we almost like cling to these things because it's 
like this little teddy bear that we've been given and we're so scared to find a better teddy bear and actually get better and <laughs> we uh, just we just get stuck to it we just get stuck to our identity and stuck to our situation a lot of people never leave their hometown and they never move out they might go on a vacation as a sort of drug like trip or something a little escape but they never we never really shed our identity and i have the same problem now too and i did move off to japan and these things, but now I've been in Japan for 12 years and I don't really want to be here anymore. I want to do what you did. I want to go off to, I don't know, uh, somewhere in Southeast Asia or India or Thailand or something and just, just focus on this podcast and not, not be, uh, worrying about money and all this stuff. And, but we fear losing our income. We fear losing who we are, losing our status, losing whatever we have, even if it's not that good. Like, do we hate our job, but we won't, we don't want to quit it. 100%. And we hate our friends, but we don't want to leave them. We don't want to be off back to, to nothing. It's scary. And why do we do that? And how the hell did you just... And you weren't just as normal office workers. Normal, like, little office workers who hate their job and they hate their wife and they hate all this stuff. Even they don't leave. But you had a kind of cool life. A, a, a sort of semi-celebrity kind of thing going on. And you just... <laughs> You just left it, and and you were like a homeless guy, basically. Like people walking down the beach are like, "Oh, look at that homeless guy," you know, and they're like running away from you and stuff. No, I'm just kidding. They're probably like, actually, they're probably drawn in towards you because you're you throw off these positive vibes or whatever. But that's beside the point. Like, I I don't know. This is inspirational for me and probably for a lot of people. Like what you did there. Ah, uh, cheers, man. Well, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, um, how did you do that? How how do you take that pain, take that initial pain? And like leave your house and go outside into the bigger world. Man, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like the way that you frame that is something that I haven't, uh, that's a new kind of, uh, I guess a new perspective, you know, because you're right. Like, yeah, most people who are working a nine to five job in an office, you know, there's more reason to leave, you know what I mean? But for me, I was like the king of my castle. I was like the king of my kingdom. I was, you know, and I was about to get ultra successful. Like I was successful in my goal in becoming a straight, like one of the biggest up and coming trans DJs in Australia, but I hadn't like broken through and made it and da da da. And so, you know, me leaving that career, everyone thought I was crazy. Like what you want to leave your job? Like you want to leave DJing? Like what everybody would kill to be you. But the thing is, man, the height of our limitation is in direct proportion to the depth of our desire. And I did not desire to go any further. When I got, when I warmed up for Above and Beyond, there was like seven and a half thousand people, sold out show, High Sense Arena, my favorite act in the world, my number one act, and I am the one warming up for them. That is a dream come true. So for me, like who else could I play with that is going to make me happier? There is no one. So having the self-realization to be like, okay, cool, this is it for me. There is no bigger high I can chase in this arena. That's done. What else is, is, what can I do in this life? And I feel like you're right. Like, man, we, when we are born, like we are not, even our identity, we don't create it. It is given to us. I am given my name. Yeah. As like Heidegger says, we're thrown into the world and. Yeah. Yeah. You are given your name. You're thrown. You're just sort of in a situation that you didn't choose. It's what you are. It's your culture. It's your family. It's your genetics, whatever. But we think that that's what it is. That's reality. It's what we've been thrown into what we're stuck with well you're not stuck with it that's like a small sliver of who you are and we just have to get beyond that initial pain maybe 45 days or 30 days or whatever and just enter into a a new uh world and that's the thing man like so we don't choose our name we don't choose where we're born we don't choose our, our parents or anything like that but what we don't realize is that we do have a choice 
we can choose to change you know our reality we can choose to change where we live we can choose to change our occupation we can choose to change our body we can choose to change our minds we can make so many so many choices but it's about having that awareness and that's the thing like i said people either move towards pleasure or they move away from pain so for me how you ask me how did i do it i had so much pleasure in in going for like okay i want to be holistic i want to be closer to nature that was pleasurable there were some pain barriers, but I went through them. Same thing with DJing. Even before I made it as a DJ, there was a lot of pain that I had to get through to become a DJ because, yeah, I really wanted to be a DJ. That was like one of my childhood dreams. But I was afraid of being rejected because if what if I play what if I play a mad set in front of 2,000 people and play one song and everyone clears? Like, oof, that's a lot of pressure. But that fear of being rejected actually blocked me from breaking through the scene for the like from 21 to 25. I, w- I couldn't break through the scene because I was too afraid to put myself out there. But then when I became 25 years old, I realized, shit, I'm 25. I'm actually running out of time because most DJs break in at like 21 and whatnot. I'm like, and then the actual pain of regret of never doing it in my life was actually bigger than giving it a shot and potentially failing. And so I thought to myself, hey, if I live my life 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, all the way to the end of my days, and I never give it a shot, how am I going to feel? Ooh, that regret is massive. But then I thought, well, what if I give it a shot and I succeed? And 10 years, 20 years, well, that's amazing. But what if I give it a shot and I get rejected? Oh, well, big deal. I gave it a shot. I got rejected. At least I know I did it. And so that pain of regret actually pushed me through my barriers of my pain of making those changes and actually got me to my goal of what that which I truly desired. And I feel like most people don't go for what they want because they're not super dissatisfied with their life, but they're also not super happy. They're in that middle zone where they're neither happy or sad. And the truth is it's only until, you know, something shifts where they become unhappy or too discomfortable, like, nah, that's it, I've got to make a change and they got to go. And that's unfortunately where most people sit is in that middle ground where they're not, you know, uncomfortable enough to make a change but also, you know, not driven too much by their goals. And so one of the things that I would get people to do, which is what we do in our ceremonies, we get people to really think about what they want, not just now but when they were a child before the conditioning came in. What is your soul here to do? What is your life's purpose? Are you doing that? Are you living that? And if not, what is that? And how can we pull that out? And again, you made the very good comment. It's like people are afraid, oh, how am I going to afford it? My finances, this and that. Man, those are all really menial things. Man, I, I had to sacrifice it all. I lived out of a van. Guess what my rent was? Zero, you know, an ultimate sacrifice. And I was free. And I was free. And I still live out of a van today. I've got a bus now, but Baller. I live out of a bus. And I'm happy because I would rather live in a bus and be free and be able to move wherever I want and give me the freedom to live my life, even however unorthodox it is for the, you know, the, the Western world or society in itself. It actually suits the style of life that I want to live. And guess what? I don't have to pay rent, you know, and I get to live, I get to swim in the ocean every day, watch the sunset every evening. And if I want to choose to change a location, I can just pack up and leave. And that is a, a sacrifice that I've made to live that way. And that's not easy because you got a lot of people throwing their judgments. Oh, you need to get a house. You need to like do this. Do I? Why? Are you happy in your house? No. So what? If it didn't work for you, why is it going to work for me? It doesn't. So at least I'm <laughs> they want they want you to play happy. their game because if you if you the more people playing the game, the the sort of status game, 
then the more fun it is for them to, because then they can like kind of put you down. Oh, your house is not as good as mine, and I I can get a better house than you. And that's like that's the game they're playing. But when they see you playing this whole completely different status game or uh, dopamine game, I'm not even playing a house, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you don't even want it. And then they're like, they're like, their their heads are like bugging out, and they're like freaking out because like, what? That's not possible. That's not possible. And yeah. they start questioning their own lives. And the thing is, also, I want to talk about too is unlike other animals, we have this prefrontal cortex this neocortex that allows us to conceptualize and abstract things and therefore have a sense of time and therefore we have knowledge of our own death and i think that's sort of the deep pain and fear that we're all running away from and i think there are a couple different ways to uh deal with this problem the mainstream way seems to be to distract ourselves from death and from our pain by consuming certain substances like alcohol or and maybe taking on some kind of religion or uh, be- becoming busy with our jobs. There's a billion different ways, video games and sex and porn. And there's all kinds of ways to distract ourselves and numb ourselves. So we don't, we can feel happy and feel like everything's all good. Or there's another way to say, okay, um, look back at into your childhood and look at who you are. And uh, sort of, it's hard to accept your own death, but if you can sort of accept that, oh crap, time is running out. I'm getting older. Things are going to be gone. You have to almost realize that these distractions are sort of numbing you and making you forget about what you really want to do in life. And it's a scary path to go down. It's almost like this dark forest is unpaved and you might die and stuff. But you're going through there. and But that's the only way to find the real you and to live the real life. Or you can stay off in the little playground off here where everyone's playing and it's kind of small and boring. But it's safe. And it distracts you, but you have to go into that forest. And if you never go into that forest, you're 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 done. Who cares how many billions you have and how many you slept with ten thousand women or whatever? It doesn't freaking matter because you your life was crap. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and that's the thing. Like you said, people are too afraid to to make those shifts and those changes because they're holding on to their identity, their friendship circles, their status, their all that stuff. But if you are not afraid to to let the old version of yourself die, you will never be reborn, you know? And that's one thing that we do in our cacao ceremony. So the last one, every every new moon cacao ceremony we do is a different theme. The last theme was actually purpose, right? And in that theme, we had, it's a three-part journey. So we drink the cacao, everybody lays down, and then we play music, and then we do a guided journey, play music, guided journey, play music, guided journey. And so the first journey, where they're all laying down, eyes closed, the cacao's in them, so it's helping them have visualizations, get out of the head and into the heart. The first journey is like, okay, let's go back into your childhood. Because the theme is purpose, it's like, what was the purpose of your life? You know, what did you envision your life to be as a child, this, that? And then to really tap into what the essence of, you know, their spirit is here to do. Then we go on the second journey. Okay, now bring yourself back to the present moment. I want you to come with me on a journey now. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, to the last year, last month, last week, last day, last hour of your life, if you haven't made these changes, if you're just living the same way, haven't made these changes, in that last hour of your life, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Are you happy with your life? Is there, is there more left on the table that you haven't done? What could you do if you could go back in time? What, would you, what advice would you give yourself? What would you do differently? Are you happy? Are you grateful or is there something that needs to shift? 
Then we bring them back into the, and then they actually die. We get them to take their last breath. Right? Everyone collectively make one breath and the last breath and then they die. And then we bring them back to the present moment. All right, now open your eyes. You're in the present moment. That was just a dream. But now let's change paths. Let's say you make those changes now. You've learned everything from that dream. You've learned everything you need to know, the changes you need to make. You know the cost if you live your life that way. Now project yourself 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, all the way to the last year, last month, last week, last day, last hour of your life, knowing that you've made these changes. Now what is your life like? What are some ways to uh, access these uh patterns of our youth because we're these sort of big brain big brain mammals and the bigger our brains are the more our neural circuits our habits our behaviors all of these different things are wired in through our experience and particularly before the age of eight and then another sort of spurt in our teenage years usually in high school so it's the things that cause us pain as children we're running away from those things throughout the rest of our lives these are big myelinated powerful super highways and they they control us and we, and we don't really rebuild such we can't really build such strong roads later in life yes we can change our brains but those early experiences of what gave us pain what, what what allowed us to escape the pain escape the cortisol but also gave us uh meaning and pleasure and happiness and these things we have like actually in our brain these these neural circuits that sort of drive us forward throughout life i think especially the high school ones and how do you, it's not that hard to discover them, but it kind of is for some people. They're not aware of what they want or what they're afraid of. So how did you do that? Or how do you get people to access those deep parts of themselves from their childhood? Just the way that I was saying, like during a cacao ceremony where people, there's a safe container, the environment is controlled. We literally are using energy, the energy of the cacao, the energy of the music, the candles, the altar, like everything that we need, getting people into a relaxed state using like the sound bowls, the medicine drum, and then also doing prompting with uh, a guided journey. And, you know, so like when we gave them that journey where back into their childhood, they found out who they were, they, they remembered why they were here. Then we brought into the present moment and we brought them into the present moment. They're like, oh my God, I've forgotten that. And now they realize they've forgotten it. And it's like, all right, now let's go on a journey to the end of your life if you don't change. And they're like, oh, my God, that is like, I, that's death. I'm already dead if I don't live my life. Then we bring them back and then we send them on a different journey. And now you know the knowledge of your past, why you're here as a child, your knowledge of your future. If you don't make change, what are you going to do now? Whew, change this, change it. And then now project yourself 10 years, 30 years, all the way to the end of your life. How are you looking back on your life? Well, if you could write a letter to yourself, what would you write? And then they actually take their last breath again, come back to the present moment, and then we pull them out. They, we, we actually get them, okay, now guys journal. And they would journal for like 45 minutes, all the changes I need to make. One person that I know actually went to her job the next day, quit her job on the spot, called up her mother and said, mom, I'm coming home. I need to save money and save rent because I'm going to start my business. Now she's on the path. Now she's on purpose. I feel like that's what I'm going to do after this after this conversation with you today. I feel like that's what I'm going to do. I'm like, ah, oh, goodbye, Japan. I'm not going to because I'm not courageous enough. But I got like, oh my god, I got it, dude. Yes, no, yes, no, yes. No, 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 um, no. It's but, not. Hey, hang on. Yeah. It's not that you're not courageous enough. You just don't have yeah. enough enough driving force. So you either haven't created the vision, you haven't made the vision of what you want big enough that it excites you to do it. We fear like running out of money. This fear of money seems to me, I don't know if it's just running through my brain, but it's like, oh, a little bit more just in case, a little bit more just in case. Was that going through your head at all? 
uh, and how can we stop that? Because that's never going to end. We're always going to want more. Oh, maybe another a little more, a little more. I reached my goal. I said I was going to go at this point, but I didn't go. And I feel like we all have these money goals. I think money just weirdly controls our life and steals our life force away and, and puts us in some strange direction that we don't even want to be in. And we end up losing anyway. We end up like not even having reaching the goal in the first place. And we, we're just screwed in both directions. So how, how do you uh, just like overcome that fear of running out of money? Well, it's not money that controls your life. It's your perception of money that controls your life. I'm, I, I'm completely content whether I have a hundred grand in the bank or zero dollars in the bank makes no difference. My lifestyle does not change because I don't need external things to validate my experience. I just need to wake up and know that I'm breathing and be able to walk and move around and be like, cool, this is my experience. I'm alive, man. Because I don't need external things to validate my experience. I just need to wake up and know that I'm breathing and be able to walk yeah. and move around and be like, cool. You're alive. You're alive either way. You're alive and you're good and you're more alive than the people with all the money. 100%, man. You look at the, a lot of, there's a lot of rich billionaires and why do they get there? Because they're trying to fulfill a gap. They're feeling a need that they need to have more, that they're not enough with what they have. So therefore they need more and that breeds greed. But then I see some of the most impoverished people, people who are living in, like I went into the Amazon jungle and there were the children living in the Amazon jungle and those kids were actually so happy and they had nothing. Dude, I figured something out. When you drink cacao, it's almost like an inner bath or something where it cleans away all those fears and it takes you out of that fight flight mode and, and into this sort of safe social connected mode and that allows us to see parts of ourselves parts of these deep parts of ourselves from our childhood and who we really are and with each other and it's like we're so gunked up it's like we intentionally distract ourselves or it's like a weird kind of procrastination or something we we gunk ourselves up with alcohol and fill our schedules up with these junky meetings and hangouts and stuff just to distract ourselves we run away from solitude from silence and all these things, but cacao uh, is this. There are there are other substances, but cacao somehow like it, it like cleans it all away for a minute, and it lets you sort of have this blank slate where you're like, oh, I'm not scared anymore. Oh, everything's okay, and so you can see everything and connect with everything more clearly. And I think before I ask you that question of how do you get people to see all that, now I'm kind of seeing it. It's not just this verbal mental meditation exercise of being like, oh, look at your past and think about yourself. Because when we normally do that, we can't really see it because we're too gummed up with artificial fake foods and these life-draining uh, substances and things. This energy, we're like this dark, we're like filled with dark matter or something. Like weird, <laughs> you know, it's like gray, black matter running through us. We're like all like frozen. And then the cacao sort of like colors us back up and it, it clears all that away and it it makes us alive again or sort of just brings us back to that sort of neutral space where we can see things more objectively. And I think that cacao is a key part of that whole process. There are, might be other ways, but it's not alcohol. It's not coffee. It's not, it's definitely not sugar or uh, gummy bears or any of that stuff. <laughs> so is that what's going on? Man. So there's a, there's an ancient Mayan legend 
that states that whenever there's an imbalance between humans and nature, cacao makes its way out of the jungle to open our hearts and restore the planet to a state of harmony. So with that legend, what is that stating? Whenever there's an imbalance between humans and nature, whenever the scale is tipped where humans are destroying nature, cacao makes its way out of the jungle to open our hearts and restore the planet to a state of harmony. It saves us. <laughs> yeah, when we're in our own minds, again, we seek that we, we are not fulfilled and we start collecting, we start destroying, we start, oh, we are in lack, so we need this, we need a house, we need this, so we destroy things to take it. When we are in our hearts, there is nothing that we need. Everything is provided for. The same thing with, uh, with your money story, your story around money. Oh, don't, maybe a little bit more and then, no, that's fear-based. How about having faith in the universe that you are guided and the universe will give you everything that you need if you just trust in it and start that journey? You walk on your path and everything will find you. It's another belief. And if you believe that, it'll happen. You are not going to find your opportunities, you know, in the four walls of your apartment. You're going to find the opportunities when you are living your life on purpose and the only thing is, is that sometimes people have a little dream and it's a little dream. Oh, I'm doing this, but I would really love to do this. But it's the dream is the smaller part of their life. No, your dream should be the biggest part of your life. And every person that you meet, everything that you do should be somewhat contributing to the actualization of that dream and of that vision. And if it's not, if you're not living your life according to your dream or your vision, whose life are you living? And when you realize that, you have to do a daily practice to be like, okay, cool. Like, what is my dream? Who am I? Why am I here? What is my purpose? And for me, like, I believe everything in nature serves a purpose. And that purpose is to serve something else. The water doesn't drink itself. Air doesn't breathe itself. Everything in nature serves a purpose. And that purpose is to serve something other than yourself. Humans, I believe, are the only species that actually don't serve a purpose on this planet. Because if we were to leave it, it would actually thrive. It would actually be better. So what does that mean? It means that we are the fruits of this planet. Yeah? We are the kings of this kingdom. And so I feel that our purpose here is this is our playground. And we all have a unique gift, a unique talent, a unique passion. And I think the purpose of our life is to find out what those unique gifts are and the purpose is to give it away. And when we give it away, then we are in service of other people. And I always say that whenever I feel like whenever the world starts doing, when everyone does what they love, the world will know peace. Right now, people aren't doing what they love. They're doing it for money. They're doing it out of fear. And that's going to cause stress, anxiety, disharmony, dissatisfaction. But when someone's doing what they love and they're in that, that genius zone and they're loving what they do, why, why are they upset? There's no reason to be upset. Why, would they, why are they going to be worried about money? They don't care about money. I, when I do what I love, I don't care if I get paid. I'm going to do it, you know, because I love it. All of this reminds me, you mentioned the movie Avatar earlier too, and this all kinds of reminds me of... I love that movie. I'm sure you love that movie too. Even though it's, yeah, it's popular, movie. somehow, somehow, something popular was actually good uh, this time. And when you <laughs> when you talk about the movie Avatar, it almost and then you went to the, you went to Peru and you visited the Ashaninka tribe. Correct. Yeah. And I almost like imagine they are they are like these uh these people these creatures on Avatar. And maybe I'm totally wrong. It's just my imagination or maybe my fantasy or something. But tell me about those people there and how 
how they are different or similar to these modernized humans. Well, man, the Ashaninka, they're known as the guardians of the rainforest. And so, you know, they're, they're commercializing cacao as a means to preserve their land, protect their culture, protect their way of life. And that's why I chose to, uh, you know, to, to work with them. So I went into the jungle. It was like a 16-hour bus ride, seven-hour canoe ride down the Amazon. And um, there there's over 300 families that grow and cultivate our cacao in the wild under the forest canopy. And so they actually, the cacao that they grow is called the Criollo cacao, and it's actually only like 6% of the market. So it's actually, it's the original strain of cacao, not a hybridized version. It's actually the original heirloom cacao strain. And that particular cacao requires shade for it to grow. So therefore it requires the rainforest. And the Ashaninka have like, you know, uh, like eight guiding principles that they live by. And one of the guiding principles is to live in harmony with nature because you don't protect your water source. You can't drink from it. You don't look at, look after your land or destroy your land. You cannot eat from it. You know, it's just very logical. It makes perfectly logical sense. When you are living in harmony with nature, you are one with nature. You are connected. Like I said before, you're not going to cut off your arm. They're not going to destroy their food source. They're not going to pollute their water source. They're going to protect it. And that's how they live, uh, live by. I feel like for us in, you know, in Western society and Western culture, we're not connected to nature. We think that we are, that we own nature. I mean, how, how, that's the most like ridiculous thing I've ever heard that we could actually own nature by paying money. Oh, I'll give this person money and now I own this. What do you mean? You don't even own your own. Bizarre. It's like some, what the hell are you talking about, dude? You make no sense. It's like they make, that makes no sense, right? And I think it goes back to that sort of presumption that, that I don't know where we got this. Like, it probably goes back to Descartes or probably back into the uh, early Christians or somewhere. But at some point, we, we came up with this brilliant idea that we are separate from nature. And then whenever you separate yourself from something, it's either a friend or an enemy, basically. and Or you try to control the other things and, and try to make yourself bigger and these things smaller. And it seems like this is what we've been doing with nature. Nature's not become this enemy, but... Uh, sometimes, or at least something to be controlled or something that we can extract from to make ourselves bigger. And it's, it doesn't matter with that because that's not us. But when, when you realize that is you, then you realize how much you're screwing yourself over in these small habits of eating this, this junky food that's like... Exactly, man. Imagine like we're living on a river. Would you go up upstream and pollute that river or stop that river from flowing when you know that your family is drinking from it? No, if you found someone else doing that, you'd be like, dude, what are you doing? You're going to pollute our waterways. Why are you burning down our forest? It gives us air for us to breathe. It gives us food for us to eat, shelter above our head. Like, what are you, what are you doing? It makes no sense. And for me, it's not necessarily friend or enemy or anything like that. For me, it's about the ego. So the ego just thinks of the I and thinks that everything else is separate and the ego's primary objective is to protect itself. And so it's in fear. It wants to protect. Everything is a threat. And so it wants to protect itself. And so therefore, oh, I'll destroy this rainforest. I'll kill this animal and I'll create protection for myself. But when you are living in an ecosystem, which is for me, eco, ego, the opposite, complete opposite things, when you realize that you're in the eco and you're in the ecosystem, you realize that this ant, serves a purpose again that this water serves a purpose you know that we are all connected and we are in, are an interconnected species dependent on each other for our own survival and i think that's where the, again the disconnect is when you feel separate from nature and you're in your ego you're going to be thinking about the eye even in this you know you asked me about how they live over there 
Dude, they live in communities. Everybody eats together. If someone goes and hunts, he doesn't just bring back food and eat it for himself. He brings back food for the whole tribe. You know, so imagine we're we're talking about hunting in tribal ways, but what is the modern day, you know, version of hunting? Making money. Someone goes out and makes money. They don't come back and just like, hey, guys, look at all this money I got. Like, here, take it, take it, take it. Like, we can all feed off this. No, they have the money. They come back and not only do they not share it, they protect it. My money, my security, I don't have enough to survive because they're in fear. It's crazy. Even even you get like a big bank or something and they have all this money and they are so scared of losing their money and they want more and more and more that they will charge these little $5, $10 fees. And then when you you can't pay back your loan or whatever, they're like, okay, let's freaking let's get in more, get more money from this guy who screw him. He's not us. He's our customer. And we are a big, big bank and we're getting, we're going to be the biggest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the truth is, man, the banks actually don't have that much money. Yeah. They've actually like, they're, they're lending out money, more money that they actually have in the bank. And if everybody came to the bank to do a withdrawal, which is what happened in Silicon Valley, bang, the bank's going to collapse. So it's all an illusion. It's, all, it's not real. And that's the thing, you know, it's like in terms of this mon- the money system, what, how much money do we actually need to survive? Why are we paying to buy land? Why are we paying for food that can actually grow in nature for free? And this is the thing with the Ashaminka, they live in the jungle. They go harvest from the river. They go harvest from the forest. They come back, they eat. The next day they do it again. The forest and the nature provides enough abundance. You know, maybe in Australia, there's not as much abundance here to support, you know, 25 plus million people but there's enough to support, you know, X amount of people. And the indigenous peoples of, of my land, the land that I'm currently on, you know, is the oldest living culture that we know. 60 plus thousand years, the indigenous peoples of this land have been existing in harmony with nature. And why do they live in harmony with nature? They didn't build monolithic structures. They didn't tear mother nature down and create something for, to satiate their own ego and make themselves have some sort of like legacy they don't believe that they own nature. They believe they are the custodians of nature. Because at the end of the day, we inherit this land from our ancestors, but we're borrowing it from our children. We don't even own our own bodies. At the end of the day, we have to give our body back, back to mother nature, and then we leave. So if we don't own our own bodies, how egotistical is it to believe that we can own land, something that is like, you know, that everybody has access to? It is completely egotistical. And I think when we dismantle the ego, and we become friends with it, and then we realize, hey, there is no enemy, there is no us and them, it's just it's just us, it's just like one, then we can share everything. We share the land, we share the water, we share the air. How come we're not fighting over air? It's because it's not tangible, but we fight over land, you know, we fight over water, but we don't fight over the air element. It's crazy. Why, why do we see things as separate? We are all one. I want this person to survive. I want to survive. Why don't we take care of each other? And that's the main thing that I learned from being with the Ashaninka and the Amazon. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't all for one. It was one for all. And it sounds like a lot of society itself is built on these illusions, these kind of collective illusions that we need to prop up, these appearances and economies and all these kinds of jobs and uh, all our things that we have. And if we somehow wake up to the connectedness of everything and we realize we don't need that much, that we can just live for zero rent on the beach and we can just breathe the air and we can 
get some water. We only really need probably need a couple hundred bucks or something. And then the whole system would just collapse or something, or like many parts of it would like, like, like you said with Silicon Valley bank and a lot of these banks and uh, other companies and even uh, countries, sometimes they, they collapse because it was all an illusion in the first place or is 98% illusion. Um, and all the junk, all the extra little frills on top, we realized we didn't really need. And once enough people realize that that whole part of the system falls apart and back to where it's supposed to be. hundred percent, man, hundred percent. And I feel like that's one of the things that we're doing here is like, you know, we're not here against the system. Like, you know, the system has provided so much progress and, you know, it's created technology and it's given us so many gifts, you know, so many gifts. But it's also with everything, there's the light and the dark. Remember I said the universal law of balance in nature, you know, for every good, there is a not so positive. And we need to look at that and observe that and look at our trajectory and look where we're heading and see, are we actually heading to our own, uh, you know, extinction? Are we going to, like, you know, where are we actually heading with this? What is the end outcome? What is the end goal for this? And, is there something that, like, again, you know how I did it with the individual in those cacao ceremonies, going into the past, coming back into the present, going into one potential future, if nothing changes, going into another potential future, if you make change. What if we did that as a collective society? What if we looked at our past, look what our ancestors did, look at how they lived, were they happier, were they not happy, etc. Look at all the history from the past, bring it back to the present moment. Now look at our trajectory. If we keep going down this path and don't make changes, where are we going to end up? Are we going to be more happier or less happier? Are we going to be more healthier or less healthier, more connected or more disconnected? Or what if we choose a different outcome? And then what if we got choose that goal, that goal of harmony, that goal of, you know, existing within a community where we take care of our elders, where we revere our elders because they are our ancestors, you know? And what if we take more better care of the children? You know, what if we take care of better of our, of our food systems, of our water storages, you know, and actually have healthy food, organic, you know, vitamin-rich food with with rich in vitality and drink water that's fresh and clean and have clean and pure pure air. This is all we need to survive. We don't need fancy houses, big this, big that. All that is just a vice to say, to say what? To make a statement, to have security. At the end of the day, you're going to lose it all anyway. So why can't we just create more harmony on this planet? And this is one thing that we, you know, we, we are doing our best to do is to allow people to step out of that fear paradigm where they feel that they aren't enough, that they need more money, that they need this, this, that, and to actually just drop into doing what they love. And if you do what you love on a daily basis, you are rich, you know. For me, like people say, oh, cool, like once I'm successful, then I'll be happy. I'm like, no, once you're happy, then you're successful, <laughs> you know. So find ways to create happiness in the now, but also like steer your life into a future destination that you choose, you know, that you choose for your life as well. And as long as it does, doesn't cause, you know, harm to other people and it's not at the expense of the planet or the expense of other people, if you can create a state of harmony, then that's beautiful. And I feel like we can all benefit from that. And I feel like everyone has this, this yearning call for something more. And I feel that people are like, you know, not necessarily happy with their life, but haven't questioned it enough. And I don't feel like there is enough alternatives. The same way we've got an alternative to now drugs, alcohol, coffee with cacao, there aren't, in my opinion, enough lifestyle alternatives where we, hey, we can go live out of a bus or live out of a van or choose to live a bit more freely because, you know, we, I need, we need to pay this, we need to pay rent and utilities, we're not a part of the system. 
And so I feel like there's a big shift occurring. I feel like there's a lot of people, especially my age, who are now not subscribing they can't even afford rent can't afford mortgages so we have to we have to adapt and evolve right i like evolve or die and so now we're like living out of vans being a bit more free and it's actually opening us up to different possibilities like how else are we you know limiting our lives with our perceptions and how can we take those limitations off dream big dream big from our own soul and create the vision of our life that we want and live it just as there are these cycles in the day between light and dark and uh, these hormonal cycles in our bodies and these seasonal changes, uh, can we zoom out further? And are there these almost like era changes? Like 100%. in this century, people are more uh, connected with nature and they have higher vibration. And then this century or this decade, they, they're dropping into a different frequency. And is that true? And if so, where are we? in this like larger historical uh, cycle. Yeah, look, I totally believe in that. I believe like, again, in the micro, so the macro, so within, so without. So, you know, every day we can fluctuate where we have to wake up and we have to go to bed. Then every moon cycle, we have the full moon and then we have the new moon. And then every three months we have a different season. But also every year, every 10 years, 100 years, there are everything works in cycles. Everything is cyclical. And so, yes, I believe we've gone through some of the darkest of ages. We've had millions of people, hundreds of millions of people, human to human, you know, contact where we've actually killed people. We've killed hundreds of millions of people. In, within the last only 100 years, like ridiculous amounts. You know, even the indigenous peoples of America, you know, it's like 100 million people like getting wiped out. It's a lot. So that to me is a very dark force. That to me is a very dark age. And it might get worse before it gets better, but I truly do believe that now there's a lot of like, like uh, humanity is awakening and there's a lot more consciousness coming through. People are stepping into spirituality, doing yoga, meditation, having cacao. They're making different lifestyle choices. People are becoming more aware and they're starting to actually choose to live a better life. And so I believe that the more people that can, you know, awaken and create these lives and create these options and create these different substitutes or different ways of living and being, we can actually, you know, we can create the golden age and we can create the light ages where we do not harm other beings, where we do not harm each other, where we do not harm the planet, where we don't just believe and adopt beliefs that are given to us without questioning, questioning your reality and then being inquisitive and exploring, discovering why you're here. We only have limited time. So why are you here? And let's make the most of it. And like I said, I believe that when we all do what we love, the world will know peace. And I think people are starting to awaken to that and are starting to do what they love. And the more people that that do what they love, the world will know peace. So I believe that on the macro, I do believe, yeah, we've come, we've come through or are still going through the dark ages, but I really don't think we've hit the midnight yet. You know, it's like dark, like they say, it's, you know, the darkest, it's darkest just before the dawn. So I feel like, you know, we are going into the darkness and I think there's more to come. There's a lot more chaos and anarchy and things to come out of it. But once we get through it, if we drop into our hearts, then we can actually create a a, a new way of living, a new way of being. And it may not necessarily be new. It might be old. Or for me, in my personal opinion, my personal like, you know, goal or dream would be to be have a balance of both, a balance of the ancient, ways of thinking and modern technology 
a balance of, you know, everything. Because like I said, everything in nature in balance. And so I think bringing those things together where we have technology, but we also have ancient wisdom and teachings and values and guiding principles, then I think that we can create harmony with the planet and literally restore the planet to a state of harmony. Yeah, it's like the uh, the sociopath, the serial killer goes on one last giant slashing spree before he gets arrested. He, he knows he's going to get arrested. He knows he knows the game the game's over, so he just gets uh, gets drunk one night and just destroys everything. And then and then and then the sun comes out and the rainbows come out and we're all good. But maybe he's got to hide away in some natural cove somewhere while that sociopath goes slashing around. And it also sounds like. It's just just our bodies seem to go towards this homeostasis and this balance and this equilibrium. It sounds like the the larger organism that we are, this Earth or this universe, it also is seeking this balance uh, and this equilibrium or homeostasis or whatever. And if in the short term, on the day or yearly or century wide uh, view. It, things might be looking up or looking down. In the end, it all kinds of seems to balance out. And so exactly. time and these events in time are really just these little blips, these outlier outlier kind of frequencies. And deep down, it's like there's like some, kind of, some kind of godlike, some pure love energy that is like the, the thermostat that we kind of go back to, the sort of set point that the earth wants to be in. Well, we have to, man. We have to go through these phases because, like, imagine if the sun just didn't stop shining. Imagine if the sun was just never stopped shining. After a while, like, this is sick. But then after a while, I'd be like, man, can you stop shining? Like, I want to go to sleep. Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, give me some darkness. You'll end up craving yeah. the darkness just so you can get rest. And so it's the same with this, you know. We've gone through this to realize the value of value, Valuing human beings, valuing our land, our water, our trees that give us oxygen, the plants that give us food, you know, valuing our time. And now when we start to value our time and value each other, we're going to think differently. We're going to behave differently. We're going to do things differently. And that's the thing. Like it's not any one person or bunch of people that are doing bad things or causing this. It's just energy. Energy within the collective consciousness of humanity that was went through a fear-based reality where they were in threat, in danger, and decided to kill everything and put up walls, put up boundaries, create blockages, and protect themselves. And then, but then we realizing, hey, like, whoa, there's nothing to be fearful of. And again, collective consciousness is starting to awaken and be like, you know what? I'm not going to believe in this fear anymore. I'm going to choose love. And then they choose love and then they find out that the world is a better place because their perception of the world is a better place. And what they believe in is that, okay, cool, I'm not poor. I don't need money. I'm abundant. I can create money wherever I go, you know. I can choose love any day. And, you know, if they are going through difficult times, there's now alternative options. There's alternative medicines. There's alternative therapies to deal with those things. And I feel like that's one of the most important things is to not to be too resistant to the dark or to judge it or be afraid of it or to not want to experience it. We need the darkness to go to sleep, you know. We also need challenges to grow and things like these these traumatic experiences, like they happen. So, we can actually develop ourselves through it. Not all of them is like, you know, obviously there's different a spectrum between like, you know, 
really bad stuff and and not so bad stuff but at any way to a person's experience like we need these challenges in order to grow and so i feel like when we don't resist those challenges and when we welcome them and we accept them we say thank you i know this is traumatic this is a very difficult thing for me to deal with but it's been given to me what can i learn from it how can i grow from it how can i have more compassion more love more forgiveness and then create that for yourself and then when you do that you actually, um, yeah, you actually overcome it and you grow and you develop and you evolve and then you can actually step more into that love-based paradigm that we just spoke about. You don't need to comment on this. It's always like whenever someone mentions someone's death, you're out there like, uh, okay, like what do I say? Do I say sorry? Do I, do I say nothing? So you don't need to say anything to this. But last year, my, my mom died and I've got nine brothers and sisters. So I'm one of 10 children. And one of 10 were connected. Yeah. One of 10. Right. So that's, you think there'd be connection there. We were connected, but after she died, we connected on a whole nother level and we became like real brothers and sisters. A lot of us. And that was a storm. That was a sort of a, 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 a dark time in a way, but in a weird way, it was a, one of the more meaningful times in my life where it forced me to change. And, that that's what created this podcast in the first place too because it, it kind of woke me up in a weird way so through those storms and through those hard times the pain somehow that actually really like redirects our path in life sometimes 100 percent, man and that's the thing most people that have a spiritual awakening those awakenings come from those dark times and so those actually those dark times which people would perceive to be the worst thing that's ever happened to them Often, if they get through it, and I say if because sometimes people don't, but if they get through it, it actually becomes their greatest gift. And when you when you see it that way, people are like I, I did this seminar where I was speaking to a bunch of people and they were all like, oh, you know, we keep going backwards into the darkness and we keep going backwards. We thought we healed and we, you know, we have a hard time and then we go into the low and then we keep going backwards. I'm like, why is it backwards? Why do you perceive it that way? Yeah. You know, you're just going through a cycle. And then like, and what happened when you went through the dark time? I went through it and it was really bad and I didn't want to go through it. But then I went through it and then I had the best high and I, like, I grew so much from that. So I'm like, so why are you resisting that? If you know that you, by going through it, you actually grow more and then you come out better. Why, why are you resisting going in there? Yeah. Go into the darkness, learn what you need to learn and then know that you're going to come back out and be bigger, stronger, brighter, better. So why do you have that resistance? And all it is is the perception of how we relate to that thing that's happening. Everybody wants the highs, but they don't want to experience the lows. For me, I'm the opposite. I'm like, cool, if I have a high and I'm on a really nice ride, I'm like, this is sick. But also I know this is not going to last. I'm like, this too will pass. And then when I go into the darkness, I'm like, all right, cool, we're going into a dark phase. All right, let's, let's go into it. Let's go right into it. Let's not avoid it. Let's go straight into it, learn whatever I need to learn, do what I need to do, and then come out. And then enjoy the enjoy the light when I get back out. It's just a phase. Yeah. But I think people's perception of and their attachment to what what how their life should be and what that what should be happening in their life is what's causing so much disharmony. It's like when you're climbing a mountain. We uh, sometimes it's the most painful experience if you've ever climbed mountains or done some sort of treacherous kind of adventure like that. You're like, I'm never doing this again. This is hell. Never <laughs> doing it again. I remember I, I did one of those when I was uh, 17. It was like the worst experience of my life. And then afterwards, it wasn't just the endorphins and the, the serotonin and all the, the happiness coming from it in the connection with nature. I think it's beyond that. I was like, wow, that was, that was the best time of my life. It's because you went through this struggle and this pain and you push yourself beyond your normal limits and you grew from it in a way. 100%. Like, man, 
you know, the depth of your struggle determines the height of your success, man, the height of your progress. In your, uh, in your cacao blends, you also added things like roses and cinnamon and peppermint and some of these other things. So are these also, why do you add these things in? Are they also uh, tapping into a certain kind of frequency, uh, the same frequency as cacao or something different? Or why, why do you include these? And you don't obviously include things like sugar or, or vegetable oils or under the, any of that junk. No, no preservatives, no nothing. No, that's good. Well, then for me, in my opinion, nothing is really as high frequency as what cacao is, except like I think it's like chlorophyll. But, um, you know, to be honest, yeah, we, we add those things in because it has a different impact on the body. So the original earth just has like it has uh, carrot, which has high fiber, so it really grounds you down. The fire has cayenne pepper and cinnamon, which actually fires up your digestive system, gives you a ton of energy and like speeds up your metabolism. And then you've got rose, which we love, which has the rose petal powder, which actually helps. It's actually an antidepressant, helps you open your heart. So you're actually, you know, a bit more balanced in terms of your mood. Uh, and then you've got vitality, which has matcha and mint. And that's actually really good for the mind because they're two stimulants. So they actually switch your mind on. So it's very good if you want a coffee replacement. And then we have ceremony, which is 100% pure ceremonial grey cacao, which really like helps you open up and tap into spirit. So, you know, each, each flavor represents a different element, earth, fire, water, air, spirit, and they all serve a different purpose. So depending on whatever you need for the day or your mood or whatever is lacking, you can actually turn to the cacao and utilize it and use it as a tool to, to rebalance yourself, to focus, and to give yourself whatever it, you may need, whether it's more energy to get stuff done or to just ground yourself down after a hard day's work or if you need more energy with fire or just to open your heart, you know, we can. Uh, there's something for everybody to enjoy. Going back to this whole cycle thing, is there an ideal time of day to consume cacao and times not to consume it and also in, in ways to consume it and ways not to consume it. So we have a little chart that we're going to release soon about the best times to have cacao. Basically, you can have cacao from pretty much from morning till two hours before bed, depending on your body, depending on your dosha, depending on your constitution, because some people, cacao can be really stimulative and it can stimulate people. So definitely not best for those people to have it before bed. But for other people, it can actually be quite relaxing, especially those people that have a lot of coffee and stuff during the day. Some people will actually have cacao to help them sleep. So, you know, you can pretty much have it any time of the day, but you just got to work with it and find out how your body responds to it, whether it stimulates you or whether it relaxes you, and then choose the flavor that is best appropriate to that mood and to that whatever the mood you desire. Back in the day, like from about the 1650s until the late 1700s, in London and around England, they had these chocolate houses. And have you ever thought about making something like that yourself? Or do you think those might make a resurgence? Uh, man, so we actually started. We actually started maybe three years ago with the Sacred Cacao Bar. We opened up a little Sacred Cacao Bar where it was like, you know, a cacao bar. Basically, you come in, it's like a cacao cafe. All our flavors we had like made hot, cold shakes, smoothie, and then we also did like ice cream as well. So we did ice cream in those flavors too. Everything was refined, sugar free. And, um, yeah, but we were way ahead of our time. So do I believe that this is going to come back? Of course, 100%. It has to. It's the only way. And if we're not the ones doing it, someone else is going to do it. But I'm pretty sure we'll probably end up doing it as well. So the more the merrier, in my opinion. Real quickly, can you, like, we talk, we've talked about, like, high-frequency foods and low-frequency foods and substances. Can you just, like, list off some other high-frequency foods or substances or plants or animals or whatever and some low frequency ones and low doesn't mean bad but 
you know, can you get into that just a little bit? Just to- so there's a chart. If you go, anyone does a quick Google search, you'll have more data and more information. But basically anything that's alive is higher frequency. Anything that is dead is going to be low frequency. So actually animal flesh and things like that actually does lower your frequency. That drops it down. Anything that's alive, like fruit, vegetables, um, you know, greens, things like that is really high frequency. Um, so yeah, like wheatgrass and things like that is super high. Chocolate is super high. Blueberries, um, anything that's high antioxidants as well. So acai and many other things that are just like found in nature that hasn't been super hybridized and altered is going to be the highest frequency food. Obviously the sun as well, receiving energy from the sun, like getting a couple of hours of sunlight or at least 20 minutes of sunlight a day is going to completely change everything. Barefoot on the earth, one of the best things that you can do, it completely rebalances your body and removes any kind of like you know negative energy that you might be having that makes you feel more grounded you know balances the free radicals in your body and you know creates a bit more harmony in your body going for a swim as well in like in beautiful water like ocean water the salt the magnesium it's yeah super beneficial and then drinking fresh pure drinking water so preferably with no chemicals because obviously these chemicals are put into the water to remove bacteria you drink that, you're going to remove the harm, the back, the bacteria in your own microbiome. So best thing to do is put a filter if you're going to use tap water or drink fresh, pure spring water if you can. And um, yeah, make sure you're getting hydrated, getting enough oxygen and eating foods that are of high frequency, which means fresh, alive, you know, and has a ton of vitality. Uh, another question I had was about creativity and flow and focus. Does I know people use coffee, caffeine to increase their focus, and I guess in small degrees it might increase their their creativity and flow, but it can also be a detriment if you take too much. How does cacao increase or decrease our creativity or focus or flow or any of these other positive sort of brain states that we want to be in? Yeah, so you know, I don't, um, I don't like to shame anything. I still drink coffee. I think I've got a little coffee here anyway. So I use it as a tool sometimes. Um, but you have to understand the the impact on your body. Everything can has have a positive impact and a negative impact. For me, it's about you know increasing the positives and minusing the negatives. But if I'm doing a big day of admin and numbers, uh, I'm not a fan of numbers. So I don't really want to be in my heart to do numbers. You know what I mean? So sometimes I wish we got a whole day of numbers today. I'll utilize coffee because it does put you, it takes you out of that art mind and puts you more into that logical, you know, rational mind and like, okay, getting stuff done adrenaline. So I'll utilize it as a tool, but cacao, yeah, it can give you energy. It can support your alertness, your brain function. It can increase your memory. Um, and yeah, just make you more alive and present. So, you know, there's so many things that can serve a purpose you just need to understand, okay, cool, is this thing going to, am I borrowing energy or happiness from tomorrow or is this going to build my energy? And if you are going to have coffee, then balance it out by drinking a lot of water, maybe even having some cacao to, to, you know, to give you the magnesium to relax your nervous system and then just working with all these things are tools and medicines and in combination they work well together. Nothing is good or bad, even tobacco in itself, which is like deemed one of the most harmful substances on the planet by, you know, smokers and whatnot. It's actually a sacred plant. Yeah. Tobacco is like one of the most sacred plants. Even even alcohol. Sometimes sometimes drinking alcohol even it might it might let you you might be so much in your analytical mind and so much in your little world. I mean, it's dangerous because you can get carried away with it easily. But alcohol has, in weird ways, uh, it's just destroyed me more than it saved me. But occasionally, it does uh, push you out into the world, into that social world, and 
uh, in the right dosage, in the right time of your life, especially in your youth when you need that, you know, and you're seeking this adventure and seeking these new experiences, it might be good maybe from age 20 to 25. I, I can't really say that, but it, it's not necessarily bad always. Well, for me, it's, you know, whatever's bad or good is depending on the person's experience and their perspective. And so for me, it's always about never being adverse to anything. Try whatever you can. Try whatever works for you. You know, some things might work for you better than others. A coffee to somebody might really stimulate them too much and like stimulate their adrenals and it might make them pop. You know, so some people don't have stimulants at all. Some people actually, it might, they might benefit of stimulants depending on what they need to do or et cetera. So it's about, you know, again, that connection with those substances that you're taking and, and understanding of the positive and negative effects of such substances. And then also knowing which substances to combine it with to actually create the outcome that you desire. And then assessing whether there's a cost involved with that. Are you going to have to pay that back or are you? you know and if you are aware you're going to have to pay it back like i know me having this coffee i'm probably going to get tired later today but that's cool i've timed it at the right time so i can actually go to sleep tonight and it's not going to impact me tomorrow so i know that if i stay up all night and i work and i work through the night i'm like well i have to pay this back so then i pay it back the next day or whenever i need to everything in balance like we said everything in nature in in balance and like with caffeine it puts you for me it pushes me into this hyper focused analytical logical mode that i can't get in with cacao almost like if i drink too much cacao i'm too chilled out too (laughs) sort of just stoned or in a little daydream where i can't really get as much done but i feel really good and i feel content and i feel like life is all happy but i get more work done actually i can i I think with cacao you do get work done you you can focus you can do all that stuff but it's it's all about the balance and and about what's your current goal in this moment in this year and period of your life or in this time of the day or whatever. Well, like I said, creating the right combinations. So if you want to get the work done, you can have our Vitality Blend, which has matcha and mint. Matcha is the raw form of of green tea and actually is is higher in caffeine, but it doesn't have as much negative side effects as the caffeine in coffee. So when you put that in with the cacao and also have the mint, which is another stimulant, but also makes the flavor taste good, um, you know, you could probably be more productive from a heart-centered place than not so. And so, you know, depending, you might reach for the coffee one day to do the work that you don't want to do. Like me, when I do admin and numbers, I don't want to do that work. So I need the extra stimulant, but I have it with the cacao as well to balance it off. But then if I don't, if I'm doing the work that I love, a cacao is fine because I get enough energy from the passion and desire to actually do what I want. I actually don't need anything, you know. I know you got to go soon. I got uh, two or three more questions. Uh, yeah, uh, one, one. It's not a big question, but uh, caffeine definitely does attach to those adenosine receptors and does disrupt our sleep. Uh, the falling asleep and staying asleep and getting getting quality of deep sleep and all of that. Does cacao affect our sleep? And how does it? If it does, it does. It does, like, but it, it probably does so more so in a positive way because of the, the richness of the magnesium. It actually is, it relaxes your nervous system, which allows you to quiet in the mind and then, and then go to sleep. But again, like I said before, there's a caveat with that. You've got to just check your, your constitution and you know, how it benefits you. It's going to be different for everybody. Like I said, some people have it just before bed and they tell me it's their nighttime ritual. For me, I don't do that because if I have it at night, I'm going to be buzzing. You know what I mean? So it's not that doesn't work for me. So you know, I've, cacao is actually known to improve sleep quality, especially for those who have a lot of stimulants. Um, but it's it doesn't do that for everybody. So my best bet would be to, you know, just try 
check out different flavors, check out different things, different times, and, you know, be diligent. Assess whether you had a good sleep or a bad sleep and assess whether you feel better or feel worse and work your way from there. Right, and everyone has different sensitivity to caffeine and theobromine and all these things. And the half-life, whenever you look at the half-life or the quarter-life of things like theobromine or caffeine, there's a range. And beyond this range, there are these outliers. So some people might digest and get all the caffeine out of their system really quickly and others it might take them whole day yep yep exactly exactly it depends on what you're eating what you're doing your mood your your, everything yep back in the in the mayan and aztec days they had these sort of their versions of cacao parties which i think were much wilder and more (laughs) divine than yours yours are probably pretty divine and pretty magical but i can't imagine um i don't know how much you know about these ancient sort of mayan and aztec cacao ceremonies and rituals how how are your cacao parties similar or different from those uh so for us i guess the only similarities is the cacao that we're using the the method in which we have the cacao no human sacrifices no no human sacrifices on this one not yet anyway um (laughs) but um yeah we, we have it in nature um you know similar format but it's very hard to say because it's such an ancient practice we really don't actually know what they were doing back mm-hmm. then with it, um, you know. So for us, we haven't done a, we haven't done anything to rec- recreate anything or copy anyone's you know processes yeah. or protocols. Where where we get our cacao from is the heart of the Amazon basin. It's where the Ashaninka have it, and there they don't have too many practices or protocols put on top of the cacao. When you move into Central America, you got the Guatemalans, you got the you know, the Mexicans, they actually have a lot of more pr- like processes, yeah. protocols, procedures, ceremonies on top of it. We didn't want to interfere with that. So we went straight to the source, straight to the Amazon where it's like, you know, there's no imprint, it's clean. And we've been given permission by the Ashen Inca to use the cacao in whatever way that we feel necessary. And we do it in our own sacred way. So our processes, our protocols is something that we've uh, kind of like uh, has come through us um, organically. We haven't written down and try to figure it out. We just we just started doing it with ourselves and it just grew organically and it evolved into its own thing. And it seems to be very well received. We've been doing parties and ceremonies here in Australia, but also in Switzerland and, you know, other parts of the world. Like I said, we're going to be going to Nepal to do it there, India and in other countries. And so now whatever we have created or whatever has come through us is now being very well received, especially in these modern times. And I feel like there is a space for that. So there's a space for ancient practices. For those who want to learn the ancient ways, you know, we can direct you to different lineages, whether it's Ashaninka, whether it's Guatemalan, Ecuadorian, whatever lineages you want wish to follow, you, we definitely recommend going down that path. But we're also very happy and proud of what we're creating and, uh, you know, what we're, what we're adapting into for the modern world. And it seems to be very well received. So that's, that's how we do it. And where you get your cacao is where cacao like originally came from. So even though the Aztecs really used it maybe more than the people down there in the Amazon right. at that point in history, still that's where it comes from. That's like the real source. And and you're saying is Ash- Ashaninka? Is that you say Ashaninka? Ashaninka. Um, yeah. They that's like right at the the epicenter of it all. Yeah, that's right. So it basically originated in the Amazon basin, and that's where the Ashaninka. That's that's where they live. So. 
the originators of the cacao and the cacao got taken from there and it's also been you know populated around the world hybridized and they've worked with it and so for me like again we just said before nobody owns the land so how can we own a plant i think these plants are for us all to share especially a sacred medicine such as cacao and i feel like as long as it's done with reverence with acknowledgement of where the cacao comes from the cultures that have grown it and the history of cacao i think we can use it in a modern practice you know to create harmony and that's exactly what we're doing and regardless of how you're drinking it, how your parties are, there's a sort of common thread between the Aztecs and the Mayans and Ashaninka and what you're doing is this sort of respect for nature, respect for life, respect for God. I mean, not doesn't need to be this Christian God, but it's sort of this, this life force, this energy yeah, and trying universe. to connect. Yeah, trying to connect to the universe and, and all of that. Is that. Would you agree with that? 100%. For, for us, like, you know, like I said, when we believe in something, we can only believe in that which we, that which we don't know. So all these beliefs in other gods or religions is the belief in something that we cannot see. If we know it to be true, we cannot believe in it. And so what do we know? We believe in different religions, different gods, etc. But we know that we, what, what is the one thing that I know for sure? I know what for sure that we are on this land, you know, we drink the water, we breathe the air and we eat, eat from the soil. So these are things that we know we can definitely all agree on. And what our cacao does and what we do in our ceremonies is we connect people back to that which we know, which is back to Mother Nature, back to the elements. And then from that place, when we have ceremony and we connect to spirit, you connect to spirit in whatever way you want, whether you call it God, Krishna, this, that, whatever. You're talking about the same person just with a different name. We're talking about the same source. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to Bring, bring down those barriers. Oh, my God created this, but, you know, then you believe in your God and then we have a fight. No, it's the same God. We're just coming at it from a different angle. And when we believe in that, then we'll create we'll create peace, and that's exactly what we're doing. We don't put names. It's not a religion. It's just connecting people to the land, which we all know, and then connecting to that source or that spirit or whatever you want to call it, yeah. and we can celebrate your God, my God together because it's <laughs> still the same, same, you know, it's the same <laughs> thing, just a different name. And you call it energy or the Holy Ghost or Prana or Chi or whatever, but right? there's some sort of something there. Whatever right? you want, man. Universe, spirit, great spirit, nothing <laughs> Yeah, I call it, yeah, yeah. Just do it, just do your thing. Use your language. Language is not important. It's the overall like underlying reality be- before the language came along, right? 100%. Uh, last thing is, I, I've looked at your website and I, I see all the different cacaos on there and I think a lot of people are going to be tempted to go to the cheaper option and go to iHerb or go to Amazon. And your prices are not, are very realistic, mm-hmm. but they're just like a, a smidge, a smidge higher than you you would get on uh, Amazon or iHerb, obviously, because yeah. it's, a, it's a quality <laughs> thing. And I think you've already answered this question, but why why is it worth going to your cacao? We're kind of summing things up now. Going to this cacao from Sacred Taste instead of just buying some random one on Amazon or iHerb? Well, it's funny, you know, you can go online and you can actually buy it from Amazon or you can get the cacao that's actually from the Amazon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so our cacao. <laughs> that's a good one. You know? Yeah, and so our cacao actually originates from the Amazon. It's the original cacao strain. There's only 6% of it in the market. So it's like the purest cacao on the market. But also we've sweetened it with superfoods. 
So we, it's a complete drink. You might find the cacao ingredient, just the cacao ingredient by itself cheaper. That's fine because it's, as long as it's a good source of cacao, as long as it's like wild crafted, ethically sourced, sustainably made, you know, not grown on a farm or a plantation, we're grown in the wild under the forest canopy, we're all about it. We support many other cacao brands, many other cacao businesses because we are here to support the mission of cacao to create that state of harmony. So any cacao is good as long as it's done ethically, sustainably, regeneratively. Now, the reason why we can validate our own pricing is because where we've sourced it from, not many people will get it. Like I said, 16-hour bus ride, seven-hour canoe ride down the Amazon. So it is grown in the Amazon basin, wild-crafted, but also it's 100% organic Sweden with superfoods. So carob, lacuma, and a little bit of coconut up blossom nectar so most other brands if it's a bit cheaper they might be 50 to 60 70 percent sugar and it makes no sense to mix nature's most nutrient-dense superfood with sugar so that's why ours is different and so you know when people support our brand and support our product they're not just supporting us as a brand uh, or a community they're also supporting the Ashaninka. They use the money that we give them for their cacao. They use it to preserve their land, protect their culture, protect their way of life. They use it to get their land titles back so that we're actually uh, growing, you know, the diversity of the rainforest and the, you know, the expansion of this cacao, which is, like I said, requires the rainforest to survive. The more we can put our money into that cacao, the more that it's going to protect the rainforest and the more that cacao market of 6% is going to grow. So it's actually better for the people in the Amazon, but it's also yeah. better for the Amazon. And then in return, it's better for you. Is it good for Amazon.com? Who's kidding? One last thing. No. Okay, they're going to come, they're going to come blasting. They're going to have these jets like blasting down the rainforest. Oh, like, no, we don't want to. No, <laughs> no com- competitor and they burn it down for like 10 bucks no i'm i'm just kidding but in general uh a lot of cacao either comes from the comes from the amazon comes from places like peru or the other place is west africa and the way it's grown is compl- i know we got to go but one last thing no man let's go into this yeah yeah because we this is really important because people are just gonna like people don't understand they, they, they do but they might not and they must understand this yeah even if they don't buy yours your cacao from this tribe, from this company. In general, it's better to buy it from any company that's sourcing it from Peru or yeah. from that general region instead of like the Ivory Coast or somewhere like that. Can you get into that just a little bit? Yeah, so cacao has a bit of truth, pun intended. And um, basically, there's over a million children in slave labor producing cacao, most of it in Ghana and Africa. And that's where a lot of the cacao in the world comes from so most of the chocolate in your you know uh chocolate sweets is from that and it's actually used like there's a million children in slave labor and so when you support that you're actually when you buy that cacao you're supporting that and so for us we don't want to support that we want to support the villages and the tribes and the the indigenous people that have worked with the cacao because they understand that they got to protect the land and like i said when you 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 know when you buy criollo cacao or this ashaninka cacao it needs the rainforest to survive. So other cacao, they'll actually slash the rainforest and just monoculture it. And that's not good for the environment. It's not good for you. Again, it's lost all of its vitality. It actually probably has lower frequency because it's not, you know, receiving. Uh, like our cacao actually has a fruity texture from the rainforest. You can actually taste the different fruit trees in it. Each batch is different and it's beautiful. If you can't taste, taste the fruitiness of your cacao, your cacao is probably grown on a farm or a plantation. And so we've got to be really mindful, you know, about the dark history of cacao and, um, 
you know, where our cacao is coming from. And we're not afraid to share that story. You know, we're really proud of, of what we're doing and what our growers are doing. Our growers actually won an award. They won the Equator Award in 2019 for Indigenous Initiatives uh, Fighting climate, uh, climate Change. And, you know, they're making really progressive moves uh, in the forest there to, you know, to do what they're doing. And so, you know, obviously every day we vote with our money and obviously I, I highly encourage people to work with cacao instead of other substances. If you need to get off other substances, sure, use cacao. Um, but, you know, if you can and if you can afford it, you know, I, I highly recommend paying that little bit more, whether you get it from us or from anyone else, but just know your source, know where it's coming from. And know what you know, what you're supporting, because yeah, that that's going to go into your body as well. The saddest thing is when people think they're doing something, and it's very common, sad phenomenon where people think they're doing something good for their body and something good for their larger organism, this universe, and instead they're doing the opposite, and they wake up sick and dead, and the earth's all on fire and all that, and they're like, "What? I thought I was doing something good." So. A couple other mistakes I think people make, and maybe you have some more you know, is there's this Dutch cacao that comes from the Netherlands. I guess it's processed in a weird way. That motorcycles, ambulances, and freaking love of the city. <laughs> Get me out of here. There, uh, one is like this, this Dutch cacao that's been like heated up and messed up in weird ways, alkalized. And then another one is uh, cacao with too much sugar in it, which you've mentioned. And so I think, I guess when people are buying cacao, they should, Make sure where it comes from. Make sure it's not dutched or alkalized. And also that it doesn't contain too much sugar or other weird ingredients. First and foremost, just make sure it's actually cacao, C-A-C-A-O. If it's cocoa, C-O-C-O-A, it's actually been roasted and devoid of all, everything that I just spoke about. It's just a, it's just, it's, it's dead. It's, it's, it, there's no it's a flavor. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's sweeter, which is better, which is why people do it, but it's devoid of all of its vitality, all the spiritual benefit, you know, the mood boosting compounds, all of that is gone. And so make sure when you're buying cacao, it's C-A-C-A-O, not C-O-C-O-A, because cacao is the raw form of chocolate. Chocolate is cocoa. And so you make sure you're, you're buying that. And like I said, you're just buying from a reputable source and then your body will tell you if it's good or not good. You'll know. Yeah, and, and I know this is not about your company. You're you're about something bigger, but still, just because you're the guy I'm talking to, uh, <laughs> do, 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 I, yeah. Do you uh, do you ship anywhere? Or, I know you're you're some Australian yeah, based company, but yeah, man, we ship worldwide. So, like I said, we're we're in Australia, but we're also in Switzerland, we're in Malaysia, we're in Dubai, we're in Qatar, Kuwait, and a few other countries are coming on board, where people can go to the stores and buy it. But you can also buy it off us online. And, um, you know, we do have a first order discount that you can take advantage of. And if you sign up to our yeah. newsletter, you know, we frequently give out, do sales and gifts and giveaways and things like yeah. that. And so, you know, for those that feel that they, the shipping price is too much, we recommend buying more because the shipping price will remain the same if you buy three units versus one. So if you want to make the most of your shipping, buy three units and send it out or buy a full gift pack and send it out. Um, but then you can use it. It's got a two-year shelf life, so you can use it for, for you know, a couple of years to come. And um, and then, yeah, often we give a 10% discount or whatever to make up for the shipping costs and stuff like that. But, you know, I do recommend trying it. It will change your life. It most certainly did change mine. And, you know, you have to experience it to try it. So we'll try it to experience it. Definitely worth a shot. I mean, it was, it's uh, about 25 to 30 bucks for uh, 250 grams or something like that. Yeah, of course, for in American American dollars, yeah. American dollars, yeah. But I mean, that's like the price of a 
couple drinks in a bar or something and it's uh if you don't like it just don't buy it again just but i think i think it's worth a and even if not from you but it's worth a shot right <laughs> well the truth is it's actually got 25 serves so it's about a dollar 30 per serve you know australian oh. so so it's pretty good you know it's actually pretty it's pretty pretty good so um yeah i definitely recommend giving it a go working with it trying different flavors and yeah enjoying that cacao experience and where, uh, I guess people can Google your name, Google the company, but where should people go to learn more about you or to get this cacao? Uh, yeah, just go to sacredtaste.com or check us out on the social media, Instagram at we are sacred or even sacred taste cacao. We might merge those two pages soon. I'm not too sure. We'll see what happens. And then from there, if they want to connect with me, they can find me. I'm pretty sure my handle is about to change because I'm going to do more of these podcasts and stuff like that. So through there, they'd probably be able to find me. But my name is Dan Kosh. My current handle is coda.sounds, which I think will probably change soon. So yeah, just come onto the We Are Sacred page on Instagram and you'll be able to find us there. All right, Dan. Well, thanks for. Uh, I know we you probably signed up for an hour of this. We've been doing this for two hours, but <laughs> we went on that wild philosophical journey for a while. And then we got into the science, we got into business, we got into cacao, and I, we didn't really even get deep into cacao until the end. And that was the original goal. But man, you got. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. And man. for all of this, man, that was so much fun for me. And and honestly, hopefully this does push me in the right direction as well. And a lot of same for a lot of the listeners. Well, when you listen to it back and if you're cutting it up, man, hopefully that just, you know, reminds you that uh, you only got one life to live. Yeah. Maybe I should re-listen to, this, re-listen to this episode a year from now and see if I'm still where I am. And if I am, they're like, okay, man, what are you doing, buddy? You're yeah, lying to yourself. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely, <laughs> man. For sure, man. For sure. No, thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate the conversation. And um, yeah, man, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, man. Keep in touch. Ciao, All bro. Right. See you, man. Later.